think you probably, oh, you're going to jump. I get it. I see. Well done, sir. All right. As I said, we are in Acts chapter 4. We are going to look at just a few verses tonight, but ones that I think you'll see are going to coordinate with what we just talked about with our kids up here. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. And um, is the recording going back there, brother? Sweet. God's word says this. Oh, whoops. I am in the wrong book. Acts 4, verses 18 through 20. This is right after Peter and John are called before the religious council. It says, so they called them, that is Peter and John, and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth in these next few moments, the meditations of all of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight. We ask it and pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for standing. You guys can be seated. I love Family Sunday when we get a chance to hear from our kids and be all together with them. But as we always note, it is going to be a little bit wigglier and maybe even louder than usual in here. But that's okay. We like that. We love hearing their voices. And so moms and dads, do not worry if, uh, if things are getting a little wiggly. We love you guys. We're glad you're in here. So this is the last installment of our sermon series on evangelism. For the last eight weeks, we've been talking about sharing our faith and growing and both wanting to share our faith and knowing how to do that. And the way we've done it is we've gone to the book of Acts and we've said, how did the early church talk about Jesus? How did they talk about their faith? What can we learn from them? There's a few things I want to do today. One is I want to recap where we've been. But before I do that, I want to make this plea to you that, yes, this is the last Sunday of the sermon series on evangelism. However, please keep talking about it, thinking about it, praying about it, chatting with each other about it. Uh, please, uh, you know, this is the Heart of Evangelism book that we've kind of been basing this series out of. I would love to give you the copies of this that we have at the church office or order it on your own. Or I'd order a copy for you for you to read and see yourself. And then, most importantly, I want you to be aware of an opportunity that we've mentioned kind of in passing a few times. But for our small groups, Chandler Connor has put together a four-week uh, sort of study for our small groups to go to and be talking about together of helping us grow in evangelism. It's something that a few years ago we were, I think I mentioned in a sermon that this is a place that our church could grow and Chandler, I love him so much, he comes to me and says, Josh, I think I can help. I think I can create some resources that maybe our small groups could talk about and do together. And he did. And some of our small groups have already done it and it's awesome. And I want all of them to take advantage of this tool, especially it's fall. We're starting in on new things. It's there for you. And Chandler, I know, would love to meet with small group leaders and talk about how to implement this just very simple four-week little study. We have a lot of small groups, guys. 
like, it's crazy. Between Paradise and Chico, there are so many different men's and women's Bible studies. Granted, there's not a whole lot of, like, co-ed Bible studies. They all seem to be, like, women's groups or men's groups. Like, we're the church equivalent of the middle school dance where girls stay on one side and guys stay on the other. I, I don't know why, but that's just how we roll. But I hope and pray that you would take advantage of those resources that Chandler's put together and it's a way that we can continue to grow and sort of sit and stew in this subject that I'm hoping that the Lord will grow us in. So that really is the first thing that I wanted to do today. The second, like I said, is a little bit of a recap. You know, we've seen, let's see, I think this is week eight. So we've seen a handful of different things. All in the book of Acts, we've kind of limited our scope to looking at different places in the book of Acts. However, we've been in lots of different sort of context in Acts. Early on, we looked at the commitment to prayer the early church had when it come, came to sharing their faith. And we re I remember we looked at the reason why that was because Jesus had given the great commission to a group of disciples who were um, poor, uneducated, untraveled, didn't know many languages, and yet they were the ones that Jesus said, you're going to travel the world and be my disciples. You'll be my witnesses. He gave them the impossible task. And so what's the first thing they did? They prayed. Said, we aren't going to be able to do this on our own strength. We have to have the Lord and the Holy Spirit driving this. So they're committed to prayer. A few weeks ago, Pastor Brian took us to Acts 17, and we saw Paul finding common ground with these Greek philosophers in Athens, showing us that for the early church and their evangelism, their first move was not to say, what's wrong with somebody's thinking? Their first move was to say, what's right with their thinking? What's the common ground that I can affirm and then build towards the gospel from there? We talked about how they listened, they tried to understand the culture they were talking to, that they operated with gentleness and respect, and we also talked about how the early church knew the gospel so well, knew the key truths of what Jesus had accomplished for them so well that it actually allowed them to be flexible in how they talked about it. It wasn't just a, a, a script that they had memorized and repeated verbatim over and over and over again. The gospel was something they knew well enough to actually adapt based on who they were talking to. And say, okay, I've heard where this person's coming from. I've heard their objections. Maybe if I talk about the gospel like this, it would meet them where they're at. It's a beautiful thing to have that kind of flexibility. But you have to know the gospel well enough be able to do that. So all these are things that we've seen over the last few weeks. Today we add one final piece. For lack of a better term, we're going to call it this, compulsion. The people in the early church were inwardly compelled to talk about what Jesus had done for them. They couldn't help it. They had to. Not because somebody was forcing them. That was somebody because somebody was holding a gun to their head, compelling them to do it. They had to do it because they were so overwhelmed and overjoyed by what they had seen in Jesus. There was no option. This is what I was trying to talk about with the kids when they were up here, by the way. I hope you were able to pick up on that through the cuteness that you saw. 
is I, I, what I wanted, and this, this backfired twice. It, it, in paradise, it was terrible. Down here, it didn't work so well. What I was thinking was going to happen is when I asked the kids what the best flavor of ice cream was, I thought they were just going to like jump out of their, like raise their hand as high as they could, uh, blurt out answers. That I thought it was just going to be a chaotic scene up here. Because usually when I do a kid's moment, that's what happens. And I was going to be able to say, look, that's a perfect example of how when you're so overjoyed by something, you can't help but shout it out. But your kids are pretty well behaved. <laughs> and so they didn't do what I was hoping quite as much. It, Paradise was, was hilarious. We had a group of kids that all were just sitting with their hands folded on their lap. And I'm like, what's the best ice cream? And they're like, chocolate, I suppose. I'm like, what? That didn't work at all. But usually with kids, them shouting out and blurting, you get a picture of that inward compulsion of what it looks like when you can't help but shout out the thing that has overjoyed your soul. That's what I see happening in the early church in these chapters of Acts. I could have chosen a lot of scriptures to illustrate this, but I chose these three little verses that we looked at today. Remember, Peter and John have been called forward by the religious authorities. They had been preaching the gospel and talking about Jesus out in the public square. And the Pharisees wanted them to stop. And the Pharisees had all the power. They could have imprisoned them. They could have impounded their property. There were a lot of consequences at play here. And yet, when Peter and John are told to stop teaching in the name of Jesus, this is what they say. Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. We have to. And I, I underline two things here because I want to acknowledge that part of what they're saying is that they're under obligation by God. They've been commissioned to be witnesses to the gospel. So they say, we're going to listen to God rather than you. So there's that part of it, but then there's also that inward compulsion. We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. We can't help it. Of all that we've talked about these last few weeks, I think this is the most foundational of everything. Because here's the truth, y'all. We could be the best evangelist in the world. We could be the greatest listeners. We could know the gospel truths backwards and forwards. We could understand all the cultures of the world. And yet, if we did not have that inward compulsion, that inward drive to make his name known, it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't care. It would be like we would have all the tools at our disposal, but no desire to use them in any way, shape, or form. And a friend actually reminded me of this a few weeks ago. Uh, he was giving positive feedback about what we've talked about in this sermon series. But he said, you know, Josh, the one thing that is the truth underneath all of it, though, is that as much as it's important, these tools about listening and finding common ground and knowing the gospel well enough to speak it, as important as that is, we are never going to grow in our evangelism unless people actually care about and love their neighbor. Unless people actually believe in the eternal realities of heaven and hell. 
unless people actually fall in love with Jesus so desperately, but that they can't help but talk of him, none of it's going to matter if the Holy Spirit doesn't change our hearts to be people that want to share the gospel because we love others. I think he's right. And so that's why this thing is so foundational. But here's the rub. This bits, this internal impulsion, excuse me, inward compulsion to share the gospel. It is foundational, but it's also something that I can't make happen for you. I can't manufacture it in your heart. I can't manufacture it in my own heart. And as a preacher, I can't give you five bullet points up here that all of a sudden make it where you all of a sudden have this inward compulsion to share the gospel. I can't create that. And as a preacher, I'm in this ironic position of the one thing that is most foundational to us growing in our evangelism is also the thing that I am most powerless to make happen for you. Before you think I'm being fatalistic and just throwing up my hands, I will say this. There are things we can do. I can't create or manufacture this desire in your heart. But I can pray. And that's what we're going to do as we end our time today. I'm going to pray for our church that the Lord gives us an inward compulsion like this. So that we look at our life and say, I cannot but speak of what I have seen and heard from Jesus Christ. I'm confident that if we pray for that, the Lord will hear that prayer. And there's one final thing that we can do. And that is something that you have heard me and Brian talk about ad nauseum from this pulpit over the years. But I'll come back to it again. We can preach the gospel to ourselves. Preach the gospel to our hearts and remember once again what it is that Christ has done for us. Jesus died for my sins. Yes, let's lean into that. What does that mean? Preach to your soul and your spirit. Day by day, moment by moment who you are, what Christ has done for you, how he's ransomed you with his very blood. And I promise you, preaching that gospel to yourself and truly being in it, it will make you someone who feels compelled to share who Jesus is and what he's done. I think sometimes for me, I just get numb to the regular language that we use to talk about the gospel. It's familiar words, it's a familiar presentation, I've heard it a billion times, I'm just sort of numb to it. And so I turn sometimes to poetry, to have fresh words and fresh ways to, of thinking about what the gospel is. And so I want to end with that. I read a story to the kids, I'm going to read something to you now. This is a poem slash prayer from this book, The Valley of Vision, that we use here sometimes. A prayer book from long ago. And I put my bookmark in the wrong place. So I am just going to read it from the screen up here. This is called The Broken Heart, and it's got some old-fashioned language in it. Lots of these and vowels, so hang with me. O oh Lord, no day of my life has passed that has not proved me guilty in thy sight. Prayers have been uttered from a prayerless heart. Praise has been often praiseless sound, my best services are filthy rags. 
Blessed Jesus, let me find a covert in thy appeasing wounds. Though my sins rise to heaven, thy merits soar above them. Though unrighteousness weighs me down to hell, thy righteousness exalts me to thy throne. All things in me call for my rejection, but all things in thee plead my acceptance. I appeal from the throne of perfect justice to thy throne of boundless grace. Grant me to hear thy voice assuring me that by thy stripes I am healed, that thou wast bruised for my iniquities, that thou hast made sin for me that I might be righteous in thee. That my grievous, sin, my grievous sins, my manifold sins, are all forgiven, buried in the ocean of thy concealing blood. I am guilty but pardoned, lost but saved, wandering but found, sinning but cleansed. Give me perpetual brokenheartedness. Keep me always clinging to thy cross. Flood me every moment with descending grace. Open to me the springs of divine knowledge, sparkling like crystal flowing clear and unsullied through my wilderness of life. Amen. It's when I come across ways in which the gospel is explored and fresh words and thoughts and sometimes can hit me between the eyes. I remember reading this week that, that phrase where it talks about my sins being buried in the ocean of your atoning blood. It struck me to the core. That's what Christ has done for his people. He came after you while you were still a sinner and redeemed you then. God the Father gave his only begotten son so that you might have the hope of eternal life. Tell me, tell me that is not something that can make you say with Peter and John, I can't help it. I have to speak about him. Brothers and sisters, if you find yourself in this place where you have no inward compulsion to speak about your faith, I beg you, preach the gospel to yourself. Come alive yet again to what it means to be loved and atoned for by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, this is a wild night. Baby's crying. Kids running around, this is, <laughs> I know, probably uh, easily, it's easy to be distracted in moments like this. And yet I pray that you would let us see clearly what you're telling us through this word tonight. That who you are and what you've done for us in Christ is so marvelous that we as Christians should be able to say with Peter and John, I cannot but help speak about it. I have to. Lord, I pray that you would give us hearts that feel that way. We, we have hard, calloused hearts, God. We're numb to these truths that maybe we've known for years and years and years now. Please soften our hearts. Make us once again people that are eager to speak of what you've done through Jesus. And have that inward compulsion. To speak with respect and gentleness, with understanding, but to speak boldly who Jesus is and what he's done. It's in the name of Christ that we pray. Amen. All right.